Welcome to the Steelers Metal Lake Podcast. My name is James, joined once again by my co-host Cody. Cody, how are you? This fine Victory Tuesday. Oh, it's been a while since we've had a Victory Tuesday, it feels like. Actually, it hasn't been that long. It feels like it was just yesterday. A couple weeks. Yeah, did we we had a Victory Tuesday recently. Did, was yeah, it the Saints? Yeah, you're right. Okay. So I'm I'm doing good, James. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's nice to hold my head high today. Nobody can talk trash on me. So. Absolutely. You want to <laughs> know who's tell me nothing? You want to know who's not holding their heads high? Um, Josh Dobbs, Chase Chase Claypool, and the Chicago Bears, my friend. <laughs> yeah. As as much as that's sad to say, because I still like Chase Claypool, but dang, he's not doing much in uh in Chicago, and they're not doing much. They lost again. Uh, which puts their draft pick, which is the second round draft pick that Pittsburgh got for Chase Claypool, uh, the 33rd overall, James. It's practically <laughs> a first round pick. <laughs> that is a wonderful thing. <laughs> As we've talked about many times with the, the needs that it appears Pittsburgh has going on into the future here, uh, real nice to see that that second round pick that we're acquiring from the Bears as of right now, it would be an extremely high pick. Uh, and they're without their starting quarterback. He didn't play in that game. So. Nope. Uh, I don't know how long he'll be out, but the longer he's out, the better that is for Pittsburgh. So Absolutely. Um, be careful. Chicago, don't rush them back. No, no. no. Take your back. time. Just, just let Fields let sell heal up. Sell it let for a new up. offensive lineman. You, you know you yeah. need it. You need the first, you know, just you'll handle it. Um, speaking <laughs> of guys... That I don't even know the transition I was going to make here. Steelers elevated. That handle their business. Guys that, that handle their business. True. Steelers elevated running back Anthony McFarlane and wide receiver Cody White for Monday night's game. Uh, again, this was the game against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis in enemy territory uh, against the new first year partial head coach, Jeff Saturday. Uh, may want to look into some time management things, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> So Anthony McFarlane and Cody White both activated and elevated for Monday night's game. Both played very early in the game. Uh, not so much later on for both of them. Benny Snell got a little bit more action late. And then also Cody White was just kind of, I didn't see him as much in the second half. Um, and then obviously the inactives, cornerback, Akilah Witherspoon, still dealing with an injury. Running back Jalen Warren, still dealing with an injury. Uh, Mason Rudolph, being the third string bench warmer, Kendrick Green dealing with an injury, Robert Spillane dealing with an injury, uh, cornerback Josh Jackson, and wide receiver Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin was noticeably missed in this game, but Cody White almost made a big play in that gunner position. Gotta gotta admit, it was close. Do you remember that oh. one? The punt? <laughs> it was close. It was close. He kind of kicked it into the yeah. end zone, but he got close. Yeah, he kind of completely botched it, but uh, it was uh, close. It was close. He batted it the wrong way, man. He batted it kind of just anyway, and then he kicked it, so it didn't work. And I, I think he got nervous. I don't blame him. It's fine. Brief clarification: Kendrick Green was not out injured. Uh, he is just still oh, on the inactive list due yes. to not being good. Yeah, that's uh, fair. So, yeah, I'm just gonna say he's hurt. I'm sure his ego's, his ego's hurt. hurt. Exactly. It's, it's got to be. I can't imagine it not being. He sees all the struggles on the offensive line, and they won't even dress him. <laughs> and most of the struggles are that feel. left side. Let's be real. Um, 
we'll talk about that again. All right, let's talk about this game. Uh, Pittsburgh came out, and uh, you know what? I The one thing I'm going to say before we go anywhere with this is I wish we could get the ball in the end zone a little bit more often. But I'm happy we have good kickers consistently. <laughs> 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 nice let's go backwards so nice kicking performance from matthew Wright, right yeah uh, perfect on the night he did uh bounce one off an upright and in, it went in still good that's all that matters is that it went in so that's it. Uh, <laughs> big victory for uh for matthew Wright. there really uh really solidifying his job after having a shaky start in his first game and and missing half of his kicks. Yep. Uh hasn't missed one since. So real nice performance from He Mr. was indoors. Right. He was indoors. Let's give him that. Yeah. The yeah. pressure was still on. Some of those kicks were long. He he made it work. Yeah. 52 um, yarder. Yeah. That's Yeah, he made a 52 yarder. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I'll have to say about what you said about Kenny getting it into the end zone more often. I just wish the guys would catch it in the end zone when he throws it to him. Two then now one we still one was tough one the was one to t- pickens was tough that was not easy an easy catch but i do feel like he just kind of tried to one hand it to yeah. show off and if you would have stuck a second hand out there would have had a pretty good shot of catching it but i was also going to uh, say one of those drives still ended in a touchdown thankfully correct the deontay johnson drop was the benny snell touchdown yeah i think you're right yeah. so one of those drives still ended in a touchdown the other one ended in a field goal um but you hate to see it. Kenny needs to get those guys on the same page, get him to use both hands, get him to understand how to catch a ball. Uh, Deontay Johnson. I don't know what to tell you anymore. Um, and it's, and here's the thing. His, his issues are no longer the same issues. They're not drop balls. That's not his main issue anymore. His main issue is running backwards. And he could have had a first down in this game and wound up giving us a third down and three or whatever it was. That really ticked me off. Or maybe it was yeah. a second down and something. Anyways. Um, it was third and six after that, and, and he could have easily had the first down. Yeah. Easily. And you know yeah, they've talked about that in – let me clarify. You know they had to have – or they should have talked about that in film room. Mike Tomlin or the offensive coordinator, somebody should have said, you know what, Deontay, hey, we love the effort, we love the enthusiasm, but just put your head down and get the first down. It's happened too many times where they have, they, they've had to have said something to him. And I feel like they very clearly did because his first three catches, that's exactly what he did. He turned the ball upfield and went and got the first down. It was a first down where on all three of his first catches of the game, he was short of the sticks and he went and got the first down by turning upfield and going and getting it. Uh, And then just inexplicably in a play where he tries to go from one side of the field all the way to the other, instead of cutting behind the block of George Pickens, goes the exact way that George blocked him too. And gets himself tackled well short of the first down, like we said, creating a third and six. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it was just, it was very clearly something that he was coached up on or there wouldn't have been any improvement at the beginning of the game. And then his natural instincts took over of just running the wrong way as if he's being paid by someone to, to perform poorly this game. And then dropping yet another ball in the end zone. That's got to be his fourth or fifth one. I feel like every single drop that Deontay Johnson has on the season is in the end zone. Deontay had two drops in this game, if I remember correctly. And so did George Pickens, both of them having one drop in the end zone. Uh, if they catch those two balls, Kenny it's Pickett, Kenny Pickett throws two touchdowns and Kenny Pickett completes 24 of 28 for over 200 yards. That's a good, his stat line now is good with 20 of 28 for 174. No touchdowns, no interceptions. 
Sims dropped one on the first drive. He was the first incomplete pass. It hit him in the hands and he dropped it. It wasn't an yep. easy catch. It was over his head, but he got both hands on it. Yep. So uh, the, that's the crazy thing about this is Kenny completed 20 of 28. That is a very good completion percentage, 71%. Yep. Uh, he was throwing dimes all over the field, put multiple scoring drives together. Uh, and in the end, his receivers let him down when it came to getting touchdowns. Um, I mean, George Pickens had some real nice catches in this game. Yep. And like I said before, Deontay Johnson started the game off hot. Uh, and then it's like he jumped directly into to the Antarctic or something. I don't know, man. Like, So, so let's talk about cooled these. off as cool as he could. Yeah, let's talk about these eight, eight incompletions. These eight incompletions, mm-hmm. three of them came from George Pickens. Okay. Three of them came from Deontay Johnson. One of them came from Pat Fryermuth. So that's seven. And the last one came from Steven Sims. Yeah, which was the first incompletion of the game. Yep. Anthony McFarlane was two for two. Benny Snell, one for one. Najee Harris, one for one. They're out of the backfield. It's okay. Cody White was one for one on the first drive. Uh, Derek Watt, one for one. And Zach Gentry caught that screen pass that went for negative four yards. But he still caught it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna stop doing that to him, man. It, no, I know. I, I and I, I almost, mean, I almost texted you and flipped out because I thought the play call was bad. And then I slowed down. And I looked at the replay. The play call was perfect. They over pursued on that side. He threw the screen pass. Both offensive linemen in front of him completely whiffed their man. If the if both those guys block, he has ten yards before anyone else is near him. Yeah. So even if you take the negative four, he's still getting six. So mm-hmm. plus he typically runs and falls forward. So he's probably getting 10. <laughs> That's the thing with him. Like he's a momentum guy. If you can actually hit him on the move, it takes a lot to get him down to the ground. Yep. Uh, so I just feel like it's, it's a wasted play. I feel like that's a play that you should be thrown to Pat Fryermuth or Connor Hayward, not, not the Zach Gentry. I know that it worked for a big play week one against the Bengals. And I think that's what they're holding on to is, is the fact that it did work so successfully. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, on this one, like you said, there was a lot of pressure that got there real quick. It forced Kenny's hand. He had no choice but to throw it when he did. Uh, and then the blocking just didn't hold up like it should have. Uh, so I thought nice game out of Kenny personally. Uh, he was really composed through the whole game. Uh, it even has come out that he was the one that called that run play to Benny Snell yep. uh, for the touchdown at the end, the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, and then uh, just it, his – his scrambling ability, once again, you know, 32 yards, 5.3 yards a carry. Um, Kenny's showing that it can make a huge difference just being able to get out and go in and grab in five or six yards uh, on a play where maybe the pass isn't there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think we talked a lot about Kenny now. I, I was happy with how he performed. I was happy with that play call. Um, I like that they're giving him more ability to do things on the offense. I think that's going to just consistently improve our offense. Um, But this should have been a better game for Kenny. I'm I'm sad for him for those drop balls because it should have been a phenomenal game for him. But it still was a good game for him, a solid game for him, and a growing Mm -hmm. game for him. 20 of 28 for 174 is fantastic. Again, we talked about those receivers. You talked about 32 rushing yards. He he averaged the most rushing yards per carry for – Anyone on the team minus Gunnar Olszewski with one run for nine yards. Uh, but 5.3 led the leading rusher on the team, Benny Snell's 5.2 average, and even Anthony McFarland's five yard average per run. 
Um, and that is phenomenal. Even though it was, I mean, that th those guys together took half the load, you know, together they ran 18 times for 92 yards between the two of them. That's phenomenal for, for backup, great. backup guys, especially yeah. with Najee not running very well and also probably dealing with some kind of injury, whatever it is. Um, we'll get to that later in, in the show as well, but Najee was only 10 for 35. Uh, and it just sucked. There were a couple of times where he, you saw him visibly get mad because he just couldn't make somebody miss. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if he needs, I, it's weird because you didn't expect this. I didn't expect this from him personally, I should say. I thought well, we'd be seeing him do a lot more. I think it, it looks a lot worse than what it was because he had a number of nice runs in this game. Uh, but then a number of them where he's just getting hit by three guys before he can even get back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, so I think if he were to have been able to play through the whole game, you would have seen a pretty large game from him. Uh, numbers wise, production, rushing yards, uh, his average would have gone up all of that because the blocking uh, run blocking wise uh, got better as the game went on. Uh, and we really got to see what we've seen a couple of times since Benny Snell has been in the NFL. Not not a bunch of times, but we've seen it a couple of times. Yep. And it was Benny Snell football, man. Uh, Benny looked good. His vision was good. Multiple times I saw him go to the right where he was supposed to, stop, realize there was no one cut back, and then find somebody to juke in between and and, and find a hole and just go through the hole and go, man. Yep. Uh, Benny looked strong. He ran hard, and he looked like he had good vision. Uh, very impressed with him and Anthony McFarland, very explosive in his running. Yep. Uh, so some great spurt, some great burst and, and speed getting to the edge and getting through to the second line. Uh, great performance by both of these guys. Uh, neither one of them has had any contribution offensively this entire season. I mean, Anthony McFarland literally was just called up for the game, but now he's back down to the practice squad. Yep. Uh, and that's his contribution on the offense the entire season thus far. Uh, but both of these men, I thought, represented themselves very well. Uh, and it makes you feel a little bit better if this is a significant injury to Najee. We don't know right now. We're being told it's an abdominal injury. Uh, there were images from the game of them checking out his abdominal area and him holding it and grimacing. Uh, but he also limped off the field. Yeah. Uh, and, and typically an abdominal injury does not make you limp. Uh, so uh, I think it's reasonable to be concerned that there is an aggravation to that foot injury from previous in the year. Yeah. Uh, my, but, I honestly think there's two or three injuries going on with Najee that he it's, it's Steelers football and it's the NFL. You, you suck it up, you go. And I think that they're realizing more and more, if we keep doing this, he's not going to have a career and he's not going to be beneficial to us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame because he was just really starting to get going in the right direction again. Yeah. And now he's dinged up again. So uh, we'll see if, if he's going to be out a significant amount of time or not. Uh, and we'll see how, how quickly Jalen Warren can come back because I do believe even though both Benny Snow and Anthony McFarland looked apart, the they did a nice job. I do believe that if Jalen Warren is healthy enough, he'll go straight back to, to jumping in front of them on the depth chart. Uh, so – Look forward to seeing what the injury updates tell us throughout the week this week. Uh, also, it's decision time on DeMarvin Leal this week. Yes. Uh, they got to do something before the game. Uh, so they need to make room for it. Um, Matthew Wright has been on the roster for three weeks now, so they can release him. Uh, that's assuming Boswell is healthy enough to go. 
Uh, I do remember at halftime when they were trotting into the uh, tunnels, seeing uh, Chris Boswell running out in front of everybody. It's, it's a great sign. Great sign. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, if not, you never know. Maybe Nick Skiba makes an appearance to the practice squad and they call him up for one game again. Who knows? <laughs> we will see what happens. But, yeah, you got to figure out something because you don't want to not have DeMarvin Leal the rest of the season, especially when he's perfectly healthy. Yeah. So really looking forward to seeing that. But let's get in, into conversation with these wide receivers and, and finish them up. Uh, and then little tight end talk there too at the same time. Yeah, I don't have much to say about the wide receivers. I was happy with Cody White coming in, and I tweeted about this from our page early often. The first play of the game, Cody White came out and had a good block for, um, I believe it was Najee Harris on the player, whoever, and then came in and the very next play had a catch for, again, two yards. Nothing crazy, but he caught the ball. Uh, he came in and performed and did the things that some of our guys aren't doing, blocking well for a running game and catching the ball. So I will take that. I don't care if it was two yards. I don't care if it was one block. Thank you, Cody White, for being elevated and playing and doing the part. Um, I don't have anything else to say about the other guys. I talked enough about George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, um, Steven Sims a little bit. And then, uh, you know, that's it for the wide receiver, really, wide receiver room. Yeah, and uh, I want to say, even though it's not going to show up on our stat line here because he did not record a catch, um, Connor Hayward did play in this game almost exclusively special teams. I didn't really see him on offense at all. I saw him uh, once on offense that I can remember. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely important that we note and recognize him uh, for the fact that when that kick return happened, uh, and James Pierre, great job on cutting the guy off, forcing him to the edge, uh, and then not getting knocked to the ground by two guys. He could have easily been pancaked. He stepped. Up, he stayed on his feet. Uh, completely stopped the guy's momentum and forced him to cut back inside. And who was that that never gave up on the play and made the tackle? Connor. That was Connor Hayward. That's right. Number 83 running down their speedy return, man, because he never gave up on the play. Uh, so hats off to Connor Hayward. He's really showing tremendous effort this season. Uh, we did uh, talk about the game earlier in the season uh, where Chase Claypool had a catch. And he was trying to fight for extra yards, and Connor Hayward comes in and, and plows into it, and they get an extra 10 yards with the two of them pushing together. Uh, and th it's the little effort, things like that, that we're starting to see out of him uh, that is is pretty noticeable. Uh, also, before I completely forget to mention it, Derek Watt with one carry for four yards. He is perfect on the season on converting first downs. Every yes, single he carry he's got is a first down. Uh, man's the first down. He machine, definitely got so. two yards on that run. Anyways, moving on. Or excuse me. He got, he excuse got four. me. Four. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give yeah, him that got, as well. They needed one and he got four, man. That was beautiful. Little spin move in there. Um, yeah, man. Tight end wise, Pat Farmies, we talked about a little bit. Pat, again, 13 yard average per catch. Um, that's a first down every catch. I love that from Pat. Mm hmm. Wish they would have thrown um, it to him more. I feel like he's an underutilized weapon. But uh, uh, at some point in time, I'm sure teams are trying to focus on him to take him away because of how successful he's been. So. Yep. Um, offensive line-wise, um, one of Dan Moore's worst games, in my opinion. Pass blocking, and, pass blocking. Yeah, pass blocking, he struggled. And run blocking, he had like three or four pancakes. Yeah. He was just handing them out out there. Uh, and there's people out there that are saying maybe he should make the switch to guard for next season. Uh, maybe so. I don't know. 
Uh, the man's got a mean streak when it comes to run blocking uh, and is very powerful in run blocking, but boy, does he need some work uh, in pass protection. It always seems to be that he's worse at the beginning of games, too. He usually settles in and then then doesn't do so bad the rest of the game. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that was the case uh, in this game as well. I saw an um, article or uh, something online shortly, whether it was around halftime or the end of the game, where someone said that uh, Kenny Pickett was to blame for his one sack. I'm assuming they were talking about the one where the one guy came free again, whoever, DeForest Buckner, whoever it was. Um and I, I was curious if you had noticed that he audible the offensive line the same way that he did the last time that somebody came free. No. Okay. No, it wasn't an audible this time. I actually saw a really nice breakdown by Alex Kazora, the Steelers Depot on this play, so I can speak pretty knowledgeably about it. Uh, they lined up six guys uh, on the offensive line in Pittsburgh, only had their front five to block. No running back help, no tight end help, no wide receiver. Well, Anthony McFarland uh, was in the game just going out for a pass. He didn't chip or anything. Correct, but he had already been motioned out. He was not part of pass protection. Really? So he's okay. not factored in. Correct. I thought he was in the uh, back. If you see him at the snap, he's all the way out uh, right by where Yannick Ngakwe is, but he's going out for a pass. He's not part of pass protection. Got so it. even though he's lined over top of him, he does not factor in pass protection in any way. Uh, so they've got six guys coming, and based off of the rules of how you were to block that as an offensive lineman, you block inside out, and you assume that every single person that's up on the line is a threat and is going to rush. Yeah. Uh, so even though they didn't all, a couple of the linebackers ended up backing out, it makes them look bad because of it. They have to treat all the interior guys because they're the closest to the quarterback. They can get there the fastest. You always leave the guy furthest to the outside for the quarterback to handle one-on-one. -on -one. Got it. Uh, that's exactly what they did. The read on that is the throw where the blitz comes from. Uh, he was trying to, but it was an angle route. Because of it, you have to go out and then in. Yep. And it takes a little while for that cut to happen. If it was just like a slant or something, you might have been able to get rid of the ball. But it was a smart move on Kenny's part to not throw that ball because he would have been forcing it and the defender would have had an advantage and probably picked it off. Yeah. Uh, so in the situation, the offensive line actually blocked it the way they were supposed to. It just looks bad because somebody comes in completely unblocked. Fair enough. I love that breakdown. Thank you, James. And thank you, Alex Kozora from Steelers Depot. Yeah. Um, yeah Alex is the man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, defensive. I, I, I'm done with offensive line. The other guys, I got nothing to say about necessarily. I think the interior offensive line should get some credit here for uh, really moving some bodies in this game. Uh, you can't rush for 177 yards without some getting some push. Uh, and those three guys in the middle, they really did a nice job in this game of moving some bodies and opening some holes and, and walling people off and just letting runners see that and run right in behind them too. So Yeah, fair enough. Um, defensive side of the ball, Cam Hayward, uh, I felt was – not talked about a lot in this game. I uh, also felt, well, let's go defensive line first. Um, mm -hmm. Cam Hayward only had one tackle on the day, and I believe it was an assist. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, I believe, led the defensive line with five tackles. There was not a whole lot of production from our defensive front in the sense of defensive line. Um, and honestly, even the linebackers, the outside linebackers. Uh, other than Alex Highsmith's uh, strip sack, there was really not much going on there. Um, and I don't a lot know of pressure from TJ Watt, mm -hmm. uh, but you got to give Matt Ryan credit. 
Uh, he was able to just step up, let TJ go right on by, uh, and then go to the area where TJ came from. So uh, that's where your defensive linemen need to be getting a push. And we weren't getting enough of a push in the pass rush from the interior defensive linemen in this game. Yeah. Uh, so we had three sacks. Alex and TJ. We had three sacks, and two of them came from the secondary. So, yeah. Um, that you're going to give uh, your boy Terrell Edmonds? No, we're not talking about there? anything. Uh, we're not talking about anything yet. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so just a mediocre game from the offensive front. Montrevious Adams got some penetration again, which was nice. Uh, unfortunately, no crazy big stop like last week. Uh, but the defensive linebackers, Marcus Allen, I believe had a big hit on special teams, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it was maybe it was a catch over the middle on a third down. I can't remember. Uh, he doesn't have I any... Think- yeah, I think it was the week before you were thinking of. He had two real nice tackles on special teams. I don't know why. I think he had – maybe he had a pass breakup in this one. I don't know. No. Okay. Not Marcus Allen. He wasn't playing on defense. I'm thinking of somebody then. I don't know who. Um, Levi Wallace had a couple really nice breakups early on. Yes. Levi Wallace with the one that was almost picked. And then Devin Bush had a breakup too. Yep. There was a uh, pass to – um, I want to say it was one of the wide receivers, and as he was trying to pull it in, Devin Bush just like swatted it right out of his hand. Yes, I remember that one too. Yeah, not a horrible game from Devin Bush. I'm just kind of meh with our defensive front and middle linebackers right now. I don't know. Not just... enough splash, right? I mean, the biggest splash play from him came with uh, Alex Alex Highsmith, right? No, with the not sack. In, not in my opinion. Not in my opinion. Okay. Biggest splash play from the defensive front was Isaiah Loudermilk. Blocking a field goal, it's fair. That's probably, the. I mean, you know, that's taking three points off the board. Um, yeah. So we love that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can't, can't go without mentioning Chris Wormley and the timely fumble recovery as well. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't do anything to force it, uh, but you, you got to be able to, to jump on that ball and recover it, and Wormley took advantage of the situation and did so. True. Uh, so, you know, the two turnovers in the game and uh, Wormley gets credit for the one and uh, yeah. And the interception yeah. uh, by James but, Pierre for the other one. Yes. And a phenomenal play on his part by just being aware of what's going on, on, on the offensive side of the ball and reading that, Oh, this pass is going to the guy that I'm standing next to. Let me just jump in front of a route. That was phenomenal yeah. play uh, mm-hmm. by James Pierre. That's an IQ play. That is love that. Um, but yeah, it was like an oddly an oddly productive game from our defensive front with the blocked field goal, the one sack, and the fumble recovery. It was oddly productive. Um, yeah. But yeah, secondary now. We talked about Levi Wallace with the two pass breakups. Um, James Pierre with the one interception. No stat line other than that, just saying. Well, he had one pass breakup <laughs> as well. Um, he got burnt on another play, so whatever. Um. And then Minka Fitzpatrick led the team, I believe, in seven. No, Devin Bush had eight, and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick had seven tackles on the day, on the game. Arthur Mullet with the sack, which was phenomenal. Um, another yeah. another safety had a sack. It wasn't that impressive. Um, Terrell Edmonds, Cody's <laughs> favorite player on the team. You heard it here first. You heard him talking about this guy for years mm, on how much he loves him. No. <laughs> real quick though i i personally am really happy about the coaching staff's uh, ability to go ahead and make that adjustment uh we saw it early in the game 
in passing downs when it was third and medium or long and you knew it was likely to be a pass. They pulled Arthur Mollett off the field. They brought in James Pierre. They moved Cam Sutton into the slot. Uh, and you got better play because of it. Uh, so I like the adjustments by the coaching staff. You can't just keep on marching Arthur Mollett out there and expect him to make plays, breaking up passes. His specialty is tackling guys, uh, going out and hitting people, as we saw on the sack, right? He closed ground really quickly on Matt Ryan and got him to the ground and got that sack. Yep. That was a great play on his part. You got to use him in those situations, man. That's what he's best at. He's basically like a really small linebacker. Uh, so let him play in those third and short areas and, and let him go up against the run. Uh, just don't feed him to the wolves and throw him out there on third and long. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to the team and especially not fair to the fan base. That's fair. That's true. Um, I'll give you that. Anyways. Update on sack leaders real quick. Uh, yes. Alex Highsmith is tied for number five. Uh, it's yep. a three-way, four-way tie at five with Miles Garrett, Chris Jones, Alex Highsmith, and Brian Burns all have 10. Uh, leading Matthew Judon with the Patriots has 13. So he's three behind the NFL lead. Now, I want to point something out because James and I do enjoy video games. We play Madden, the NFL game. James, I want to point something out to you real quick. Uh, the top five guys... Five guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna include the top five, but it's there's a four way tie for fifth. So the top guys' ratings on Madden: 91, 95, 93, 92, 98, 96, 85, 79. Guess who's the <laughs> 79? <laughs> you know what's funny is they had him rated as high as at one point and then knocked him. They brought him back down to 79. So I don't yeah, understand that's... how you do it. I don't understand. We'll see, it. man, because I'm betting he's going to get some uh, some votes for the Pro Bowl. Well, let me tell um, you this. Going down that same list, I'm going to go force fumbles. One, yes. zero, three, two, 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 one, four. Yeah. Guess who has four? <laughs> um, it's Miles not Garrett? Miles Garrett, James. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the zero? Tell me he's the zero. No, he has two. Uh, he's one of the two. Oh, okay. But uh, the a, zero is the zero is Nick Bosa, who has eleven sacks on the on the year. Oh, that's crazy. But Alex Highsmith with four forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yep, I think there's going to be a big adjustment for that for next season. We'll uh, see. You know how they are. They're, they're real bullheaded. They won't change somebody too much in one season uh, unless there's a huge narrative. So it's I just feel like not. Alex needs another big game where he has two or three sacks, and then he's right back uh, into the top two sack leaders in the entire but NFL. That and then seems, maybe. Maybe. That maybe seems so counterproductive. Because the game comes out for this year. I want to play with the players as good as they are this year. If someone yeah. comes out and plays like trash next year, they shouldn't be at 96 overall just because they played great last year. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I hear you. But I mean, what are they going to put Deontay Johnson's rating as? Then 60? No. Because he's having a crap year. You drop it. He would. Deontay should be uh, mid 70 at best right now. Yeah. I, and he's 83. Yeah, so drop him to 75. I would understand that and respect it. <laughs> Honest, I would. I genuinely would. <laughs> Whatever. We'll talk We'll talk video games off the podcast. We just have to share that a little bit now and then just to show the hatred that people have for Pittsburgh. 
Um, it's, obviously, it's some anti-stealer bias for sure. It is all over the place. We did talk special teams with Matthew Wright. Steven Sims, three punt returns for 18 yards, no kick returns. Nothing special there. Presley Harvin had a decent day punting, especially when it mattered late in the game. Uh, we actually got them backed up really to, uh, on the seven-yard line for their last drive of the game that they managed to have horrible clock management on, thank God. Um, but I was I was impressed with Presley Harvin. Again, he should have had two inside the 10, but only had one because of the uh, Cody White miscue on the one punt. So, And let's be real. Think about how different his stat line looks if it isn't for that because – as it lays, four punts, 45 and a half yard average with two of those inside the 20, right? Yep. Well, it would have been three of the four inside the 20 and add another 20 yards onto his total. So the average would have gone up to about 50 yards. Yep. That's what his performance actually was. I mean, I wish you, you could take it out for for somebody else screwing the play up basically because yeah. uh, he placed it perfectly. He put it right there. Just Cody white was unable to, uh, to convert the play and bat it back in, in uh, to the field of play there. Yeah. So that's, that was the game. I was proud of how the team played overall. I thought the game should not have been that close in all honesty. Um, I wish I honestly, I James, I'm ticked at myself because I was five seconds away from making a prediction in our pregame show. And then I stopped myself. Um, yeah. and my prediction was going to be because of how much we love Jelani Woods. I wanted to say he, he's going to double his production in this one game as a joke, but he did. He, he over doubled his production on the year in this one game with eight receptions for 98 yards before this game. He had seven receptions for 79 yards. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, it makes us look good in our pre-draft analysis. When we had Jelani Woods as somebody that we really liked and were hoping Pittsburgh would would grab a hold of and draft and, and use as a number two tight end this year. <laughs> Jelani goes and puts up big numbers against Pittsburgh and it makes our evaluation look good at least. That it does. Uh, but but it also makes it look like Pittsburgh really needs to address the middle linebacker situation because we're having a tough time with tight ends this year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we obviously talked about the injury with Najee Harris. We will update you guys through social media or through sharing other posts whenever that we get those words in or that update. Um, and then today on Tuesday, Pittsburgh did waive wide receiver Josh Malone from the practice squad, and they did sign or they uh, signed recently released defensive lineman Rennell Wren. Uh, so we now have an extra defensive lineman. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, I'll tell you what it means. They, they like Demarcus, uh, the guy that they just signed. Who was it? Let me go back a week here and I'll find him. Jamarcus Bradley. That tells me they like Jamarcus Bradley better than Josh Malone. That's fair. But I, I don't, I'm talking, I don't know necessarily what that means for DeMarvin Leal um, on the Nothing. defensive line. Okay. You don't think so? Bring in another defensive <laughs> line. Okay. I was just curious. Nope. Completely unrelated because Rennell Wren's been on the practice squad most of the season. Uh, so he's just a, a size guy, a height, weight, speed guy that fits the mold of what they like to do. Uh, someone that they're honestly they're probably looking at him as a possible back end of the roster guy next year figuring that they'll lose at least two of the three of Tyson Alu-Alu uh, Chris Wormley and uh, and Larry Joby. probably two of the three are gone so Rennell Wren uh, could then step into your your last man on the roster and then whoever they end up taking in the draft because I do feel like they're going to address that in the first three rounds. Yeah, we've also thought that we were going to address the cornerback room, but we 
Haven't done that, James. <laughs> well, that's because they keep on doing it through instead. <laughs> free agency ain't going to do it. Free agency well, ain't going to do it. Sometimes it does. You never know when you're going to hit it on another Joe Hayden and be good for three or four. We years. didn't draft. Okay, whatever. I know. 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 They're understanding that they suck at analyzing corners at this point. So they're just grabbing guys in free agency and hoping that they hit on one of them instead of wasting draft picks. Oh man. Anyways. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Um, we thank you guys for listening or watching. Here we go. Uh, uh. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, we thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm looking at you right now. Subscribe. Hit the button. You got this. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.